Welcome to Pro Life in 7 Minutes, the show where I spend over 20 minutes teaching you how you can persuade a pro choice person in only seven. I'm your host, Katherine Burrow. I'm the co founder and executive director of the Abortion Dialogue Academy, also known as ADA. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to our first episode. When I was pitching this podcast to people, I noticed that there was a lot of natural confusion around the name. A lot of people heard the name Pro-Life in 7 Minutes and thought, oh, this is going to be a seven-minute podcast on pro-life topics. Well, if you've downloaded this first episode, you know that that is not the case. It's clearly longer than seven minutes. And the real reason we picked the name Pro-Life in 7 Minutes is because Seven minutes is the average amount of time it takes a volunteer using our training to persuade a pro-choice person of the pro-life view. People become pro-life in seven minutes. And in 2021, our volunteers persuaded 20% of the pro-choice people they talked to with this seven-minute argument. That's right. One in five people become pro-life after hearing the argument that I'm going to teach throughout the course of this podcast show. So I picked today, the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, to launch our first podcast episode because it is an exciting time to be pro-life. So exciting. I mean, for the first time in, what is it, almost 50 years, there is a very real shot at Roe being overturned and the right to restrict abortion finally being returned to the states. And I predict that if that happens this year, which I'm I'm optimistic that it will, but if that happens this year, all of a sudden, this issue, the abortion issue, is going to be in the forefront of the American people's minds. It's going to be the forefront of every Thanksgiving conversation and every election. And it's going to become absolutely essential that pro-life people learn how to talk about this issue in a way that is persuasive to pro-choice people. And that's what I'm so excited about because here at the Abortion Dialogue Academy, I really feel like we have cracked the code. We have figured out a way to present and talk about this issue in a way that connects and a way that persuades pro-choice people. So as we watch what unfolds politically and legislatively in the next couple of years, I think that this work is going to be so essential because we don't just want to win the legislative this next couple of years. We also want to win the culture. Now, I'm in Nebraska. That's the Abortion Dialogue Academy headquarters. And our state is relatively conservative. That being said, we still see that 75% of the college students are pro-choice in our state. That's the youth. That's Gen Z. That's the next generation. 75% pro-choice. In fact, even in the Catholic high schools, we're seeing 50% of the student body is either pro-choice or undecided. Now, I'll talk more about how we collected these statistics in a future episode, but I share them right now to say to you essentially that if we want to end abortion, like truly end it, not just outlaw it, we have to change our culture so Roe never happens again. And that's the great news because the pro-choice culture, our pro-choice culture, is made up of pro-choice individuals who we can reach and who we can persuade to be pro-life. We can persuade them to be pro-life in seven minutes. And personally, I am so excited to get to share with you how you can do that. 
So I titled this first episode, The Secret to Persuading Pro-Choice People. Now, what is the secret? Well, here's the secret. You ready for it? The secret is to present the logical reasons why someone should be pro-life to a pro-choice person in a way that is persuasive to them. In other words, you're going to have to give them a seven-minute persuasive presentation, but that seven-minute presentation has to be in their language. Now, this is easier said than done because pro-choice people do not think like us. They don't think like us. They don't. If they did, they would be pro-life. It's kind of the point. So in many ways, pro-choice people and pro-life people, they almost speak two different languages. It's like you speak English and the pro-choice person speaks German. So let's imagine that you're like an English inventor and you're trying to pitch a new business idea to a room full of German investors, none of whom speak a lick of English. What would you do? Well, the first thing you would do is you would accept that it's your responsibility to translate. You need to speak their language. You need to speak German You cannot expect them to speak yours. You can't expect a bunch of German investors to start speaking English just for you. Now, it's obvious in this, you know, investor analogy, you know, if you want to win over these German investors, your presentation needs to be in German so they can understand it. Um, You know, you're the one who wants to persuade them. So you have to do the translating. After all, you know, they were just minding their own business before you came along and sought them out. But in a similar way, you know, when we approach pro-choice people, someone who we want to persuade, who's just, you know, minding their own business before we seek them out, you know, we have to speak pro-choice. We cannot expect them to go through the effort of learning how we think and, and speak our language. We have to learn how to speak theirs. Now, this concept is so important, but, you know, we lose it sometimes. We just kind of expect people to think like we do, you know, to understand our position, to take the time to really see things our way, you know, but they don't, you know, that's, That's why they're pro-choice, because they don't think like us. They don't see the issue the way we see it. So we have to learn how to translate to them, not expect them to translate to us. So you have to speak their language. Uh, But the ironic thing is that you don't have to understand a language to speak it. I'm going to repeat that because it's a little mind-blowing. You don't have to understand a language to speak it. I want to tell you about our most persuasive volunteer. Uh, His name is Josh. Now, Josh's experience illustrates this concept really well. So during his first year volunteering with us, Josh presented our seven-minute argument to 93 pro-choice people and changed 36 minds. That's like a ridiculous like 38.7 or, you know, if you just round, like 39% persuasion rate. Very persuasive dude. Um, But what's so interesting about Josh is that he will tell you that he did not understand the argument he was presenting for like the first six months that he was volunteering with us. So half the time he was persuading people using an argument he did not fully understand himself. Now, for the record, Josh is not a dumb guy. This is actually super common. A lot of pro-life people will hear our seven-minute argument and they'll kind of go, huh? Like sometimes it's even a little underwhelming for them. They're kind of like, wait, wait, like that's it? Like that's what persuades people? The reason this happens is because we're so used to viewing the issue from the pro-life lens that when we first approach it from the pro-choice perspective, 
it's like a foreign language. It's it's like the argument is literally in German. We just kind of look at it and we're like, that doesn't make any sense. So while Josh, he didn't get it fully initially, he was still able to persuade people. And in his case, a lot of people, like you know, 36 people are now pro-life because of him. How is this possible? Well, it's because of this concept that I just talked about, that you have to speak their language, but you don't have to understand it to speak it. You know, if you think about it, this is actually a really common approach a lot of people take when they're traveling to a foreign country and they're pressed for time. You know, learning German is hard. You know, it, it's a lot of time. You've got to learn the grammar. You've got to learn the vocab. You've got to learn the syntax, the past, the present tense, the future tense, all of it, which is why a lot of people just memorize the exact concepts they want to communicate in German, you know, before planning their trip to Germany. This is probably what you would end up doing with my investor analogy from earlier. You know, instead of trying to learn, you know, the entire German language, you would just memorize your pitch. And when you memorize the exact concept you want to communicate, you don't need to understand, you know, which word is the verb and which word means invention. You know, you don't have to understand any of it really to be able to make your pitch successfully. And this is what Josh did and what we teach actually all of our new volunteers to do. So our two-hour training is essentially just setting people down and saying, look, here's our seven-minute argument. It works. It clearly communicates in a way that is persuasive to pro-choice people why they should be pro-life. It's going to take you seven minutes to present it. I want you to memorize it. And then when you go out on campus and you start talking to people, I want you to say this and only this. And at the end of that two-hour training, I play a video. Um, It's an interview of four volunteers who have presented our seven-minute argument to anywhere from 50 to 100 pro-choice people. Um, And I picked these four volunteers on purpose. Um, They're two girls and they're two guys. And they represent the four responses people have when I tell them to memorize the seven-minute argument. Now, the first volunteer in the video is Josh. He represents the one who didn't get it. A decent number of our volunteers fall into this category where you know, to some degree, they finish the training and they're just like, I do not understand this. Like it's it's literally German to them. Um, but Josh's testimony is always really inspiring for these volunteers, you know, because it shows that one, they will eventually understand it. And two, that they can still persuade people. And in Josh's case, a lot of people, even while they're still, you know, learning and maybe a little lost. Now, the second volunteer um, in this video that we play, that we interview, um, her name is Abby. She represents what I call the good student. Now, I tell a good student, memorize this, say it, and only it. And that is exactly what the good student does. And that's what Abby did. And unsurprisingly, she persuaded someone during her very first day on campus talking to pro-choice people. Now, the third volunteer I show is Isaac. So he represents what I call the philosophy nerd. So this type of student just kind of gets the brilliance of the seven-minute argument immediately. Uh, The philosophy nerd could, if they really wanted to, probably paraphrase the argument in their own words after the training. Um, But they don't, because why reinvent the wheel? And in Isaac's case, he memorized the seven-minute argument perfectly and persuaded the very first pro-choice person he talked to on campus. And then finally, there's my personal favorite, Lizbeth. She represents the skeptics. Now, Lizbeth will admit that during the entire training, she was sitting there thinking to herself, I don't think this is going to work. There's no way you can actually persuade one in five people with this. 
you know, there's no way that memorizing the wording of the seven minute argument is that important. You just probably need to understand the concepts. Um, so Elizabeth did what most skeptics do. <laughs> she tried to learn the general concepts, um, but didn't really take memorizing the seven minute argument as we teach it that seriously. Um, and her first conversations, she'll tell you herself, they, they didn't go very well. Um, and it was through the process of working with one of our dialogue trainers that she came around to see firsthand how important and effective our methodology is. And she memorized the seven minute argument and then started persuading people with it. Now, Elizabeth is actually one of our dialogue trainers today. And I tell her this all the time. I think that by her being a skeptic when she was first being trained, I think it really prepared her well for becoming a trainer. Because today, when she gets a new volunteer who's skeptical, she can speak from her own experience and say, you know, trust me, you know, you're going to save yourself a lot of bad conversations if you just take a leap of faith and memorize ADA's seven minute argument. So I don't know what kind of student you are. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, um, you know, some people are a mix of multiple types. Uh, but regardless of where you start, I hope that one day uh, you will become a true believer of ADA seven minute argument like our college volunteers, because there's this really special moment for each volunteer when they persuade that first pro-choice person and they realize like, oh, wow, this works. You know, I was working with a new volunteer recently. His name's Parker. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you, I wasn't sure if he really wanted to volunteer with us or not. You know, he was doing a good job talking to pro-choice people, but he seemed a little on the fence about committing to joining one of our college dialogue teams. Um, and then he persuaded his first pro-choice person. And after that conversation, you could just tell it was like this spark had ignited in his eyes and he was just hooked and he ended up joining the dialogue team that day. And by the end of his first semester, um, he'd presented our seven minute argument to 30 pro-choice people and already persuaded eight of them. It's like once that fire was lit, boom, he was just he just went for it. Um, and I love that initial moment so much. It's so fun to watch. You know, it's that moment when you first persuade someone and it's it's just my favorite moment as a trainer. Um, and I really want that for all of you listening. You know, I want all of you to get to experience persuading someone on this issue. And I'm going to do everything I can uh, to teach you how to get that moment. Now, one interesting thing you'll realize when you start using our seven-minute argument approach is that your conversations on abortion will, ironically, not really be conversations. Like, I'll use the words conversation and dialogue on this podcast, but they're a little bit of a misnomer because at its core, the seven-minute argument approach is a presentation approach to persuasion. And the reason we use a presentation approach to persuasion instead of a debate or dialogue approach is because we've actually found it to be the most persuasive way to do it. And the reason it's the most persuasive is because nobody likes to be thrown into an impromptu debate that they're not prepared for. Like imagine if you took some stranger off the street and said, okay, you're the defendant. I'm the prosecution. We're going to argue this case. Oh, by the way, I've gone to law school for many years and you were just trying to get your Starbucks coffee this morning. <laughs> yeah, no one likes that scenario. Uh, so what we do instead is we say, okay, pro-choice person, we're not going to make you the defendant. We're going to make you the judge. You get to sit there and listen, and you ultimately get to decide whether or not you think this is persuasive. 
And when you do that, when you take the pro-choice person out of the defendant role and let them be the judge, they can actually look at both sides of the argument. Because I guarantee you, the defendant is not thinking about whether or not the prosecution made a good point or is right. The defendant is thinking about how am I going to come back against the point that was just made? So the judge, that's the person who's ultimately weighing both sides and determining who made the best case. I was actually on the receiving end of this once on campus. I was talking to this guy. He was vegan. And we finished our conversation on abortion. And he had kind of seen enough similarities that he was interested in telling me about the vegan club. And he had this pamphlet in his backpack that he got out. And I listened to his pitch. Um, And at one point, he even said to me, he's like, now I know what you're thinking. But if I'm vegan, how will I get enough protein? I actually wasn't thinking that at the time. But after he said it, I was like, huh, what's his response? Now, what I liked about this conversation with this vegan man is that he let me be the judge. He didn't come at me and say, why do you do this? Why do you that? Why are you eating meat? No, he kind of let me sit there and listen to the presentation and really absorb the information instead of putting me on the stand and making me defend a view that I know very little about because I'm not very informed on the animal rights movement. And so I think that's why I have such a positive memory of that conversation is because he, like us, took a presentation approach to the conversation. And interestingly enough, while I'm not a vegan today, I did reduce my red meat consumption after that conversation. But if he'd come at me and forced me to be the defendant and defend all meat eaters, I probably would have had a very different reaction. I could have seen myself even going and buying a burger right after that conversation just to spite him. Now, the other thing that students are sometimes worried about is that they're going to sound robotic if they memorize the seven-minute argument. Now, this never happens. And the reason it doesn't happen is because humans naturally fill speech with word fillers like ums and so's and likes, even when we're trying not to. In fact, in my nine years of doing this, I've only ever heard one conversation where the student sounded robotic. And what had happened was is the student had printed out the seven minute argument and they were reading it to the pro-choice person. (laughs) So don't do that. If you read it to the pro-choice person, then yes, it will sound robotic. But I guarantee you, if you memorize the argument and present it from memory, I have listened to hundreds of conversations on this topic, whether they were live in person or recorded. And in all of those conversations, none of the students ever sounded robotic when they were reciting the argument from memory. In fact, I typically tell new volunteers to not even worry about their tone for their first couple of conversations. Um, It is much more important for a new volunteer to focus on correctly and clearly communicating concepts than their tone. Because humans are really, really horrible at re-explaining something they've just learned. I remember there's this one time I was reading this book on moral relativism, and I literally just finished it, just put it down. And I went to explain to my husband what the book was about. And it came out as, um, well, so, uh, you know, the author said it better. You should probably just read the book. Everyone has had the experience of doing this, you know, like where you're trying to paraphrase something you've just learned and it comes out as just gibberish, really, which is why I always tell our new volunteers to just just memorize it. Just memorize the seven minute argument, because, you know, in my experience, almost any volunteer who tries to kind of reinvent the wheel, so to speak, ends up breaking it in the process. So don't reinvent it. Just use our wheel. 
It works. Now, if you're trying to memorize and present a speech in German and you do not speak German, you're probably going to mess some things up. It would be helpful if there was someone who spoke both German and English to help you. Now, for our college volunteers, we have what we call dialogue interns, whose job is to stand next to them while they have conversations with pro-choice people, listen, and then give them that critical feedback. Because pro-choice people will not stop you and say, hey, if you would have said this, you would have persuaded me. I wish they did. That would make my job so much easier. But they don't. That is the job of our dialogue interns. And trust me, we call them interns, but they are extensively trained and exceptionally skilled. I have an ever-growing archive of 60-plus recorded conversations that all of our interns listen to and practice grading during their certification process. If anyone is an expert on persuading pro-choice people, it is our dialogue interns. Now, most of you listening to this are probably not college students at a campus where we have our college program and a dialogue intern who can help you. So for you, I'm going to give you the next best thing to one-on-one coaching. Yes, I am going to teach you ADA 7-Minute Argument, but I'm also going to teach you through this podcast everything that an ADA dialogue intern would be listening for in your conversation so that you have the highest chance of being able to persuade someone on your own. Now, before we can start memorizing the seven-minute argument, there's some basic groundwork we've got to lay, some basic things that you've got to do in your conversation if you want, honestly, even a shot at persuading a pro-choice person. So that's what we're going to talk about next week. In next week's episode, I'm going to talk about the one thing that all conversations where somebody ends up changing their mind have in common, because there's one thing that every conversation that ends in a persuasion has in common, and you need to do this one thing in your conversations if you want to be persuasive. So that is going to be next week's episode. If you liked today's episode, you can help support the channel by leaving us a five-star review. Make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't yet, sign up for our podcast email list on our website. That's www.abortiondialogacademy.org slash podcast. That way you get all the training exercises from the show delivered right to your inbox. Now, I will see all of you next Saturday as I continue to teach you how you can persuade someone to be pro-life in seven minutes. Until next week, God bless.